I am, I'm about to get real serious on us here, but I do want feedback. I want you to give me like, it's important for us to like see each other and like know what each other is going through. So give me a nod, give me an amen. amen. Yes, thank you. Have you ever prayed for healing and not seen it happen? Have you ever asked God to relieve some kind of suffering in your life or in others' lives and it seems like it doesn't happen? In fact, sometimes it gets worse. You ever just get so angry at cancer, at terminal illness, at addiction, at violence from one human to another, at greed, at strongholds that just seem to take hold and won't let, the, won't let the person or the system or whatever it might be go? Amen. You ever just wonder, God, why don't I see flourishing around me? And do you spend time asking God, why? Why doesn't this stop? Why don't you intervene? Why don't you do something about this? Me too. Me too. And you know me, usually when I get up here, I'm like, I love Jesus. And there's this joy that I have in knowing Jesus. There's a joy that I have in studying about Jesus and learning about Jesus and following him and aiming to be like him. And I love talking about the kingdom that we've been talking about heaven on earth, thinking about heaven coming to earth. I love all that because I want it so badly. But if I'm honest, and if you know me well, you know that most days, actually, it's just a little bit of that. And there's a lot of, is this even possible? Or there's got to be more than this. I ask the question a lot. Why does my own experience in the lives of so many people around me seem so distinctly different than what I see Jesus doing and experiencing in scripture and the way I see the disciples experiencing life in the pages of scripture? And that feeling I'm talking about is dissonance. Like I know this is true, but it doesn't feel true, or there's something dissonant there. Or tension, that's the word I use a lot. Tension. It's that hope that you have, and that hope when you see me delighted and obnoxious and annoyingly delighted, you know, it's like, that is real, that hope that I have in God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and the desire to work for it and see it happen, like, that is so real in me, and that is so real in life. And also the harsh reality that life around me and around us and in our world doesn't look like that. And the devastation I feel around that is also so real. That tension. Do you feel that? You're not alone. You heard it from each other this morning. You're not alone. You're not crazy. This tension is real, and it's what some theologians call the now and the not yet. The now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. 
As Jesus followers, we are people who are forever living in that feeling of the tension of the now and the not yet. And that's what I want to jump into this morning. So what does that even mean, the now and the not yet? This idea that God's kingdom has been established on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, it is now. It is here. And also, it is not here. Also, it is not fully here yet. So the best words that I've seen, and there's different theologians that have used these words, um, the idea of inauguration and consummation, or inaugurated and consummated, that God's kingdom is first inaugurated, and it has been inaugurated. That's the now. It's the beginning. Inauguration is like the beginning of a, a time period, right? Many of you just watched the coronation or the inauguration of Char- King Charles, and you watch, okay, this is now the reign of Charles, right? And so what happens with the inauguration of God's kingdom is that God's kingdom has begun, and that already happened. And then there's this other word, consummation or consummated, meaning that it's completed or it is finished, it is finalized. And that hasn't happened yet. So we live in, these, in this tension of God's kingdom, of his rule and his reign has been inaugurated. It was established with Jesus. It was established when Jesus came as a baby to earth and entered our world, entered our mess, grew up, became a man, began preaching and teaching and saying, the kingdom of heaven is here, it's at hand. And God's kingdom and his rule and his reign came. They have, it has been inaugurated. And God's kingdom and his rule and reign is not yet consummated, but it will be when Jesus comes back and fully brings his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, making all things right, all things new, and he'll dwell forever with his people. And so the inauguration is that now part, and that consummation is that not yet part. And we live in that place of the now and the not yet. If you're a diagram person, if you like visuals and you want to see this, here we go. This is a visual to show you. See that box? We live in the box. We sh- I should have an arrow that says, you are here. That's where we live. The present evil age we see that there's that first line, and that first line is Jesus coming, that Jesus came. And that's what we talk about. That's what we see in scripture. Jesus has come. And then you see that, that little box right in there before the following arrow that says return, where Jesus will come back to rule and reign fully on earth as it is in heaven. And we live between the times. We live in that now and that not yet. And let me tell you, That is a tense box. The tension that we feel are all those things we named this morning, that God's kingdom has come, and yet it is still to come. So let's begin by talking about the now. I like that part better, the now of the kingdom of God. If we look at the big story of God, think back to um, many, over the last couple of years, there have been many times where we've talked about kind of the bigger picture, the bigger story of what happens in scripture and the story of God And so as you look back ages ago, we see a people who are desperate for God, who are longing for a good king, for a king who would release them from captivity, who would um, heal them and mend them from their oppressive rule, and who would bring life and life abundant where they experience sin and pain. And so God spoke to prophets. I think of Isaiah and Micah and many prophets. God spoke to those prophets telling them, Give these people some hope. 
I'm gonna send a Messiah. I will send a king. I will send a good king who will restore the earth to the way it should be, to the way it's intended to be. And what that now will look like, when I send King Jesus, what that now will look like, it will look like heaven's rule and reign coming to earth. It will look like me restoring and renewing and making everything right that's wrong. It will look like God bringing justice for the oppressed and freedom to people who are in bondage. It will look like swords being turned into plowshares. That's that passage in Isaiah, that prophetic passage where it's like, actually, there's, there is no more violence, there is no more war. Guns will be turned into something that actually brings fruit. Isn't that amazing to think about, just the image of that? That plows will be turned, or swords will be turned into plowshares. And even the idea of our Prince of Peace, the, the prophetic of, of this king that's gonna come in Isaiah 9 calls him the Prince of Peace. And later on in Isaiah 11, I love this passage because I'm an animal lover, is where he talks about, you know, when that king comes, when the good king comes, the lion will lay down with the lamb and it's all these animals together, you know, the, the powerful and the vulnerable and they're living together. It's where it says the little child will lead them. Brent talked about how we've got to be like a little child to enter the kingdom. What you're seeing here is that things are flipped. When this good king comes, things are flipped. And peace and humility are the rule and the reign of the day. And in that Isaiah 11 passage, even at the end, it talks about how the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Imagine, just even visualize like waters in the sea, like people experiencing the goodness of God. And here he comes as a baby. And even as a baby, people prophesied about what he would do. I think about the prophet, Anna. She said, oh, baby Jesus is born. He will bring redemption and restoration to people. And then he grows and we know that, you know, there's a lot actually that we don't know about his life. But over those 30 years, he grows into a man. And we see his baptism in the Jordan. And then he's sent into the wilderness. And then he begins his reign his rule and reign on earth. He begins proclaiming the kingdom and demonstrating the kingdom. And with Jesus, with Jesus' arrival on earth and his proclamation and his demonstration of the kingdom, all of these promises, all of these things that the prophets talked about begin to come true. All of those prophecies of a king who's bringing renewal and redemption, things being made right, become true in Jesus as he begins to heal and teach and eat meals with the wrong people. And when he does all of that, he's always saying, and the kingdom of God, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. A new era, a new rule, a new reign as king, as a good king begins now. In fact, one of the first times he gets up to preach in the synagogue when he started ministry. He gets up and he teaches as he normally would in the synagogue to read from the scrolls. And in Luke 4, it talks about him getting up to read from the scroll. And it says, this is what he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and it says the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. His authority and the way he spoke and what he said. 
And then he says to them, he gets ready to preach, and you know what he says? Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's the now. God's kingdom has begun on earth as it is in heaven. Through Jesus, a new reign has begun. The kingdom of heaven is here. So the Jesus that we see in scripture, the Jesus who heals diseases and sets people free and breaks the power of sin and death, and the Jesus who elevates those who are forgotten and who calls out injustice and religiosity and promises to give us real life, that king of that kingdom began in that moment. And it continues today. So good news, no matter what you're facing, no matter the hell that you are currently in, that kingdom is now. And we get to live there. The kingdom of God is here, friends. And I need to be reminded of that. The kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. It's for me. It's for you. It's for our city. It's for our world. It's for the systems that we live in. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I've learned not to say but. (laughs) Two statements can be true. You just got to put an and in the middle of them makes me think of Daniel Tiger. Any Daniel Tiger fans out there? He sings a song about how two feelings can be true at the same time and that's okay. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to me through PBS cartoons. I'm like, yes, yes, Daniel Tiger, you better preach, you know? And that's what's true in this moment. That's the tension that we feel is there's two things that are true. That that kingdom exists right now. The kingdom of God that is good the good king who has good for our lives, who is in the midst of renewing all things and restoring all things, that is true. And also, it's not yet here. We've seen and we've experienced the inauguration of God's kingdom, but we have not yet experienced the consummation, the finalization of God's kingdom. So it's here and now it's begun, but it's not finished. It's not in its fullness. And I feel like I don't have to actually tell you that. You already know that. That's really easy to know, isn't it? Those were all your amens at the beginning. It's really easy to know that the kingdom that's full of things that are not at all like Jesus, sickness and pain and death and injustice and man, kids being killed in schools and wars raging and racism This is not the kingdom of God that we live in. Two things are true. The kingdom of God is at hand, and yet it's not. It's not fulfilled. As I was writing this, even just, I was sitting on my front porch, and spring is coming, you know, and everything was green, and there's like this red maple leaf tree, and I can hear the birds chirping. I mean, it was just idyllic. There were no kids around, you know, just quiet, lovely. And I'm just typing out, thinking about the the kingdom of heaven now and the not yet, and just thinking about the, the theological concepts of those things. And I'm like, oh, I feel the kingdom now, you know, like the springtime is around me. You just see life and growth, and it's like hopeful and beautiful. And then there was, a, there was a church that meets just a block down from our house, and it's an African congregation, and they host 
long services on the weekends. And man, there was, there was a group of young women coming out of there and they were like literally, literally like skipping and laughing and one of them was singing, you know? And I'm like, the kingdom of God is now, you know? This is a beautiful moment. And then let me tell you, I'm not exaggerating. Less than five minutes later, there's a man that walks by our house that I've seen many times. And he walks by our house and he's kind of stumbling He's carrying some stuff, and he's just shouting and hollering all kinds of uh, terrible things and things that don't make any sense. And he's yelling at someone that's not there. And I literally see the torment in him. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is, this is a literal picture of the kingdom of God is at hand, and yet the kingdom of God is not here. This man's experiencing hell on earth. Whatever it might be, mental illness and addiction and deep pain in his life, probably trauma. God's kingdom is not fully here yet. It's not all springtime and birds chirping and singing and girls skipping and worshiping. And God's kingdom is not fully here yet. And we know that, don't we? We have an enemy. Jesus says in John 10, 10, Jesus calls him the thief, the thief that comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. And he's doing that. Amen. We live in this kingdom where evil is very present, very real, and we see it in the forms of greed and selfishness and money and success at all costs. And we are killing each other and killing ourselves. The kingdom of this world, of this present age, is so broken and so distorted and so evil. Death and violence and injustice. And let me tell you, in case sometimes you get confused, it's not from God. God is not doing those things. Those things are coming from the kingdom of evil that reigns around us, that rules and reigns in our midst, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our country, in our world. And we don't talk about this very often, but we feel it a lot. It's the not yet, and it's the kingdom of evil. Ephesians 6, 11 through 12, Paul talks about this. He says, you gotta protect yourself from this. It's all around you. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You ever have a day where you're like, mm-hmm, I feel that. In 1 Peter, it says, be alert. Be of sober mind because the enemy, the devil, this kingdom of this world of evil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I was thinking this week, there's a couple other names that God gives to Satan. One of them is father of lies. That somehow he entices us as that kind of father that we need and want, but with lies. So instead of telling us truth about ourselves, he tells us lies about ourselves and who we are and the people around us. And he's called the accuser of the brethren. We feel that now, don't we? Where we just accuse, accuse, accuse each other and everybody else becomes the enemy. You ever think there's more to that than just you being grouchy? 
There are days, probably many, where we feel like the kingdom of this world of evil is winning and gaining traction around us. And though it often seems that way, I want to tell you truth this morning, and it's simply not true. Yes, we live in what I heard a theologian, N.T. Wright, called enemy-occupied territory. Like, he is this thief. God intended the world for good. And evil and destruction now abound. We live in this enemy-occupied territory, a thief who has made himself very much at home among us, a devil who prowls around. But Jesus said, take heart, for I've overcome the world. There's this part in scripture where it says that Jesus' whole purpose in coming to earth was to destroy the works of the enemy. And we need the works of the enemy destroyed, amen? Amen. Two things can be true. The kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is not yet here. It's easy to live in that place of discouragement, that place of, I don't see it. Is this... God, really? Where are you? George Eldon Ladd, who was kind of made this now and the not yet theology or this idea more and more popular, he said the divisive, the decisive battle is already won. It's already won. God is already king. Jesus is already king. He's already Lord. But the final victory is not yet completed. Like yeast and bread dough, The kingdom today may seem insignificant. Indeed, it may seem invisible. But it will multiply and it will spread until it permeates the entire batch. This is what you heard Brent talk about last week. That there's something, it starts small. The kingdom of God begins small, insignificant. But it grows and it keeps growing and it keeps growing and it keeps growing. He talked about watching his wife make bread and he's like, man, it takes a long time. There is quite a process. We have to be patient and we have to trust and hope the kingdom of God is on the move even when we don't see it. And it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. God's kingdom is coming and it cannot be stopped. So we might feel the weight and the weariness and the pain of the living and the not yet where there's still so much destruction around us, but, and, I should say, and, and the not yet also gives us hope of what's to come, that there's more to come. There is more than this. When you think, oh, is there more than this? God, yes, yes, there is. This world began in a garden, you know, paradise, garden of Eden, where everything was flourishing and everyone had their needs met and it was the way things, the, the way things were intended to be, shalom. And then sin enters and we've been feeling that deeply ever since. But, and, and we know the end of the story. We know that the not yet is still to come. The not yet gives us hope because the end of this story as we look at the big narrative, the big story of God is that it also ends in a garden, in a city, the new Jerusalem where we have this incredible picture that we get from John in Revelation of the not yet, of what's to come. And so when we feel the pain and the sin and the weight, 
We also look ahead to this scripture, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. It's the now. And it's the not yet. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. To those who are victorious, they will inherit all of this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. We have hope of what has been done and what is to come. Our king is the one who was and is and is to come. And I love what N.T. Wright said about hope because for me, man, I've struggled to keep hope. And hope can become this, just this cute idea, you know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, that's nice. People write that on a t-shirt or they put that on a sign, you know, over there. Hope, you know, we have hope, faith, hope, and love. But N.T. Wright says that hope for the Christian is not wishful thinking and it's not mere blind optimism. It's not a placard that you hang over your kitchen table from Magnolia Farms or whatever. It's a mode of knowing, a mode within which new things are possible, where options are not shut down and new creation can happen. Amen? Amen? So we know that all things are being made new. So my encouragement to you this morning, my charge to you this morning, and this is for me. I'm telling myself this this week. I kept bugging Matthew. I'm like, I gotta keep praying and hoping. And I feel this hope rising up in me that I haven't felt in a long time. And even some joy and delight. Like, we gotta live out kingdom values and we've gotta believe this is actually true, that the kingdom of God is actually now and it's not yet, but it is to come. And so for me, and for my family, and for my neighborhood, and that guy in great pain that walks by my house so often, and my city, and our world, there is hope for heaven on earth in their lives, in my life, and the systems of this world. And what I have to continue to remind myself is, do not let all the pain and the disappointment and unmet expectations of the not yets of not seeing the now, stop me from living out God's kingdom of heaven on earth. It's hard living in the tension, isn't it? It is so hard. This has been a revelation to me, even just in the last year. I've talked with Matthew so much about this. It is so hard to live in in the middle of two truths, isn't it? It's so much easier for our brains and our hearts to function in one truth. Because tension is like, you gotta hold these two things. It's just hard work and it's confusing. And there are times when you don't see what's true and there are times where you do see what's true and you have hope and you're delighted and you're encouraged and then you're blindsided by something 
that is not true but really happens and you have to hold those two truths. And so you know what we usually do? This is what I do. We find ourselves then in either extreme. We go to one extreme or the other. We find ourselves in the now where we're like, hey, all the promises are for today. If you're not seeing all the healing that you're praying for, you know, if you're not living in just delight and joy all the time, you don't have enough faith and you need to get more faith. I have a feeling that most of you in this church don't tend towards that extreme. We probably tend towards the other extreme. The other extreme is that we just make it all about the future. Oh Lord, send me home to heaven. Oh God, I can't wait for heaven. Just get me out of here. I just gotta make it through. And everything is about what happens there. No, God invites and says, my kingdom is coming to earth. My kingdom has come and it will come. So we live in this period of time where the promises are both. They're the now and they're the not yet. And I don't know if you're like me, but I have let so many of my not yets cloud my hope for now, my desire for now, even my ability to live out and work and, um, and walk in the now. Man, I remember, and I think some of you know this story, I've told you before, but I remember my stepdad getting so sick and I just had this deep faith and trust. I'm like, I've been reading all the scriptures and I see Jesus heal people all the time. Like, he's gonna be healed. We're gonna pray for him. We're gonna ask for the kingdom to come in his body on earth as it is in heaven and he's gonna be healed. And guess what? We didn't see that happen. And I remember being devastated. Like, God, what happened? I felt like I had this hope, I had this vision of healing that you have in your kingdom that has begun, that is now, where is it? Or I think about, you know, we talked about Beza Threads this morning. Man, there was a time in my life and even early in our marriage where like we just gave our lives for justice in this city, you know? We were like out praying for, against sex trafficking, making meals for women who were stripping because they're experiencing a lot of vulnerability in their lives and could potentially be trafficked, so we're trying to build relationships. I mean, we did so, we taught ESL to refugees. There was a, this thing in me that was like, I wanna see the kingdom come in ways that it's not, and so I'm gonna work for it. And you know what happened? I got tired, and I started believing, like, I'm not making any difference and nothing is changing. And these folks are still struggling, and these folks are still being trafficked, and these folks are still hurting, and these folks are still hungry, and now I'm just burnt out. And I think that's what happens to us. Then you know where we live? The not yet. Forget it. Jesus, take us to heaven. But that's not the invitation that we get. We are called to live in the now, to live in the tension actually, to live in the now and the not yet. We pray for healing, we don't see it happen. That's okay, we're gonna keep praying. We work for justice in our city and we don't see it happen, that's okay, we're gonna keep working. Because God's plan is actually to use us as agents, as citizens of the kingdom of God that we would in flesh become earth as it is in heaven, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families, in our city, in our world, 
that we would help, that we would partner with what God is already doing in his, his expanding, unstoppable kingdom of now, that we would work with him to expand his rule and reign, to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, that we would participate in the renewal of all things. When you see that story, even in that, the vision of heaven in Re- Revelation 21, the renewal of all things, we join him in that. He's inviting us, participate with me. Help bring that about in the spaces where you are. God's plan is that we would participate with him, that we would experience the now of the kingdom, that we would live it out, that we would believe it, that we would have deep hope and trust in it, and that in the places where it's still not yet, that we would keep working and keep praying and keep longing and participating with God in bringing the now and seeing the not yet of the kingdom of God come to earth. So this morning, I'm just, I wanna give us just a minute to be quiet. And maybe you, are, maybe you are a person who lives in the now and you need, you need to learn to live in the not yet. When, if you just live in the now, you'll know, you'll know these people or you'll know it if it's yourself. It's the person you would never talk to when there's pain happening in your life because they'll be like, oh, God is good. Don't worry about it, you know? They're just blind to actually the suffering, you know? Or they just shut it out because it's easier that way. And I, I understand that. It is easier that way. But I have a feeling that most of us in this room are people who live a lot in the not yet. And we've been disappointed. We've had unmet expectations. We've had deep pain because we haven't seen things that we believe God desires to do. And so we've stopped asking or we've stopped working. We've stopped partnering with God in those things. So I just wanna give us a moment of quiet and ask God to reveal if you have some of that in you and what it is And then I want to just pray for us this morning.